Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 408 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, the main man himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing great, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Let me dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here. Last Friday, August the 4th, at the Falls Park in Belfast, Northern Ireland. There's not too much to review, in all honesty. But anyway, let's start here. Um, on the undercard, Sean McComb with a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Alejandro Moya, now 17-2. and two. Sean McComb, now 17-1. and one. It was for the WBO European Super Lightweight title. Didn't see it at all. And also the main event, Podrag McCrory, now 18-0, and oh, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Steed Woodall, who's now 18-2 and two with a draw. Woodall down, I believe, in... The eighth round, but yeah, um, obviously ends up going the distance there for a unanimous decision. Um, moving now to the Saturday, this one took place at the Fadil Vokri Stadium in Kosovo. Very weird location here, but Robin Krasniki, now 53 and 7, it was his 60th pro fight. He won because his opponent, Najib Mohabadi, who's about 110, he is now 45 and 10 because he was disqualified. Najib Mohabadi had a point deducted in round six and ended up being disqualified in round nine for rabbit punches, which are never good to see. Um, so, yeah, that one, that, that, that was that one there. Moving now to this one that went down um, on the Saturday as well. Um, yeah, in it's it's so strange. This I think is going to be the first time ever that we've actually reviewed a guy, and then we're also going to preview the guy. I think you probably know who that guy is. Robert Hellanius, now thirty-two and four, a TKO in the third round against that forty-one-year-old Mika Mylonen, who was six and zero with six KOs. So Robert Hellanius made light work of him in a really kind of bizarre venue it was just a tiny room somewhere um anyway it was called the opera stage that one in finland but yeah kind of mad that we're, we 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 reviewed his fight and now we're going to be previewing his fight in just a few moments when we get into part two and yeah the final card to mention of the review part of the show it went down at the american Airlines center in dallas texas usa it was live on the zone. We saw Shadasia Green move to 13-0, unanimous decision over 10-2s against Olivia Curry, who's now 7-2. Olivia Curry, very tough, very gutsy. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it looked like the stoppage was going to come for Green. She was 12-0 with 11 KOs. Only one lady had took her the distance, and she'd, she'd knocked out a bunch of ladies in a row. 
Um, and yeah, I expected her to get the knockout because Curry's not that great technically, and also she hasn't really beaten anyone that great either. But yeah, I expected Chadeja Green to get the knockout. Like I say, at times it looked like it was going to come, but I wasn't really that impressed with her, to be honest with you. I was watching that fight, and there was a lot of flaws, and I was thinking to myself, you know, a lot of people feel like this is the threat to Clarissa Shields, and I was looking at it thinking, I think Clarissa would box rings around Chadeja Green, to be totally honest with you. Obviously, Chadeja can crack. But, you know, I, I don't think it's power that Savannah Marshall doesn't possess, for example. So, um, yeah, wasn't really wasn't really that impressed. It was quite a flat performance from Green. Um, but, you know, you're allowed a flat one as long as you win. And that's fine. She did that. Um, also on the card, Amanda Serrano picked up win number 45. She does carry two losses and a draw. It was for the undisputed featherweight female world titles. WBA, WBC, WBO, IBF and the IBO just for... Just for a little sprinkle on the cake there. But anyway, she rematched Heather Hardy. The first fight wasn't close, and this second fight wasn't close. Once again, it looked like Heather Hardy was going to get stopped early on, just like the first fight. But she managed to tough it out and go the 10-2s. Um, Heather Hardy now 24-3. and They were saying they think that's probably going to be her last fight. I think that's probably a good idea. Serrano just battered her, really. I don't think... Hardy come close to winning a round, but again, like it's it just feels wrong to to speak down about Heather Hardy. She's got massive. I was about to say she's got massive, you know what? But um, I can't say that about a woman because I could get cancelled. But yeah, she's she's got a huge heart. I think that's the best thing to say. Huge, huge heart. Um, tons of courage. And like I say, she was beaten. She was bloodied, but she was undeterred. She carried on trying to win the fight. Um, the two ladies are actually friends outside of the ring, which you wouldn't believe if you was watching the fight. But um, yeah, Serrano just, you know, a few levels above Hardy. And I never really see the saw the point in seeing the rematch. Apparently, it was, it was pretty much Serrano wanting to give Hardy a payday. We've seen that happen before, to be honest, in boxing. Won't be the last time either. And yeah, the main event, Jake Paul. We, uh, we do have to talk about it. Just briefly, I don't know, Eddie, if you saw it. If you didn't, then maybe don't even bother saying anything. But Jake Paul now 7-1, and one, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Nate Diaz, who was making his pro boxing debut. Diaz down in round 5. Um, quite surprised, actually, to see Jake Paul go 10 rounds here. Like I said, I didn't think that the fight would go 10 rounds. I thought Jake Paul would knock him out within a few rounds. I probably underestimated the toughness and the chin of Nate Diaz. Um, a lot of Nate Diaz's work was just kind of tippy-tappy shots and stuff like that, and I think for the uneducated eye, they felt that, you know, Jake Paul was in trouble at parts of the fight. I don't think that was really uh, what was going on for me. Um, I think, obviously, it was quite an impressive showing, actually, from Jake Paul. I was quite impressed. I think he's improved so much. Um, and yeah, we've seen he can do 10 rounds, you know, albeit he'd be blowing out of his backside by the end of the 10th round, but he can do 10 rounds and, um, he actually had a second wind in the fight as well. I, I really think he ticked a lot of boxes, but again, a lot of people very quick to criticize and I just don't see what they're seeing. So one of us is right. One of us is wrong. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. I'm not too bothered. I don't want to get too carried away with this whole YouTube boxer thing. But anyway, good, good, good performance 
in my opinion, from Jake Paul. So I'm giving him a pat on the back there. Like I say, he's 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 bringing the numbers to his fights, and he's he's doing a lot for the women on the undercard and stuff like that. So you can't really hate on the guy for these things. All the best to him, I say, moving forward. Um, I don't think you saw anything of the review part of the show, Eddie. All of that that I've discussed. So yeah, if I'm right, then I will bring in our special guest. Um, no, I haven't seen much of anything. I saw kind of like the little parts of the review of the Jake Paul fight. I didn't really even see too much of that. Um, but yeah, didn't really see much this week. No problem at all. Then I'm sure we will have a few things to discuss in part two. But anyway, that is it though for part one. The final thing for me to do in this part is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated super lightweight knockout artist. It is, of course, Mr. Gary Antoine Russell. Gary, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure. So, Gary, uh, we last spoke back in February of last year. It was fight week for the Victor Postal fight. Once again, you claimed another knockout win. Um, since then, you've boxed yet another former world champion, this 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 time around, Rancis Barthelemy. Just give me a few words on that fight. It was a good fight while it lasted, and again, you become the first man to stop another top-quality fighter. Uh, well, like you said, you just summed it up. Um, while it lasted, it was a nice fight, you know. Um, Barthelemy, he gave everybody problems as far as him being uh, their opponent. He's packing a weird, unconventional style. You know, he go from southpaw to orthodox. He can switch up, you know, pedestrian, And just styles make fights, you know. But I believe the science of the sport itself can make things very simple. Um, it was a toe-to-toe type of battle in the beginning. But we had a solution to the problem, you know, and um, that was once when he switched to southpaw, he left his, his left hand side down. He don't have a lot of defensive discipline, you know. Um, he lacking that area. And for me personally, it was kind of kind of a sensitive out, outbreak, you know, for me internally because – my father wasn't in my corner, and before I walked out, it's kind of like they played the video footage, and it just like messed with my mental to the point I started fighting down in competition versus fighting the opponent that's in front of me and executing the plan right away. So it took a little time for me to execute it, but at the end of the day, I got it done, and it helped me become victorious. Yeah, like I say, it was a really good fight. Um, I think I was quite surprised with Barthelemy deciding to kind of stand toe-to-toe. Obviously, it didn't work out well for him in the end. But you mentioned there, obviously, since we last spoke, you suffered a great loss outside of the ring, your father and trainer, uh, Gary Russell Sr. Um, Yeah, just tell me if you can, if you can actually put it into words, how hard was that, or should I say still is that, on you? Um, it's, it's exciting, but uh, the level of growth that I've been going through has been coming from me just embracing the fact that that's bound to happen to all of us. You know, we all got to leave this, this room, you know, and um, I know that he wouldn't have wanted anything to go in vain, all of the teaching all of the hard work and 
energy he didn't gave us inside the ring and outside the ring. He wanted us to expose it, the fact that we are phenomenal beings. And if there were anyone that wanted to do the same in whatever sport, it's possible. Anything is possible if you go about it with a certain mentality, being determined and driven. You know, he he always nourished that within us. And the fact that he's gone now, it's kind of like I got to understand that more now than ever. I got to live by that, that logic and that code more now than ever to be fully successful. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate. Obviously, it's an extremely complex situation. Um, you know, your dad being the trainer of all of you brothers is just a phenomenal thing in itself, and it was just amazing to watch from the outside looking in. What is the 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 the, the training situation now? Are you all being trained by um, Gary Allen Russell? I'll say. Yes, and Mr. Gary Russell. Okay, both. Okay. okay. We still got the family affair thing going on. Of course, of course, forever. And um, I just remembered as well, actually, we haven't spoke since that kind of, I, I don't know what to call it, maybe ringside bust-up with Meek Mill. What happened there for the UK uh, listeners here that probably don't know anything about it? <laughs> well, he, I'm going to make it brief. He was intoxicated, and um, it was just certain things that was said that shouldn't have been said. Like, um... Devontae Tank was fighting. We've been giving him instructions from the ringside. He was catching the guy with the left cross. Left cross, left cross all all day. We were telling him, bring the, the right hook behind it and finish the night. You know, bring the, the the right the right hook behind your left cross. Your left cross, you tag him and you bring a hard right hook behind him in the in the, in the night. You know, and because Meek Mills is in, in, intoxicated, he was just like saying things that didn't make sense. He just came out the mouth and say, "Ah," he yells, "Tank, they against you, man!" You know, and we all just looked like, "What?" And my older brother was like, "Man, you need to watch your mouth. Watch what you say." Because we was given instructions based off of the science, the love of the science of of the sport, you know. And here you go, uh, a drunk person just like, they don't know what they're talking about, in other words, you know? And because he was drunk and he's a man and he want to, you know, uh, show his masculinity, he started saying all these derogatory things, you know, like, oh, come on, well, let's fight. Let's, let's fight. Let's go out back and fight right now and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, y'all obviously under the influence of some alcohol. We see y'all got cups on cups back there. It smelled like marijuana. So we were just trying to de-escalate the situation and gladly didn't, nothing materialized into any drastic situation. So that was the whole gist of it. But it was him being intoxicated and he didn't know the sport of boxing like how we did. You know, he don't know nothing about boxing, bro. He's just a fan. <laughs> wow, wow. It's good to hear um, what went down because it was kind of confusing. Obviously, you know, no one really knows at the time what was being said. We just see there's this, like, 
ringside bust up and we're like oh my god pray for mink mill because i don't think he knows who he's actually speaking to um moving exactly. on moving on <laughs> it's like which one are you talking to because every single one of us is ready <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and then some but but moving on moving on like i say uh let's talk about your upcoming fight you'll be boxing this weekend at home in oxen hill you'll be boxing the undefeated kent cruz what do we know about mr cruz gary um he's bringing his physical best he's rangy you know and he just needs someone to showcase his talent he wants to be the best he wants to put himself in a position where though he wants the world titles and and I know all the sanctioning bodies that's in arm's reach. You want to reach the pinnacle of his professional career. And I can't get mad at that. You know, I just look at him as someone that's in my way of doing the same. But as skill-wise, that's what he's bringing. He's bringing range, um, determination, and his physical is, his physical is best. As far as the skill set, I've seen it. I've seen a lot of styles that was more superb and more professional-like than his. You know, not taking away anything from him, but um, it's a lot more that he needs to learn. His last fight, he actually got caught with a right cross and put him down on the canvas. So his level of defensive discipline was something that he had to work on. I'm aware of that as far as the flaw. He's taller than me, but size is not the thing that determines a winner or loses the skills. Yeah, that's I don't I don't think Meek Mill knew that, by the way, that, that little last <laughs> line you said there. <laughs> but, but 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 Gary, obviously this guy's undefeated, as you say, you know, he'd love to uh, to, to, to obviously win this fight. But, yeah, he's probably not on the level of a Postal or a Bartholomew. How confident are you that you'll be 17-0 and 0 with all 17 by KO in just a few days' time? Uh, definitely 100%. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a near fact of it going longer than usual. Like, I asked a person, man, I mean, a person asked me, they say, um, if you go 10 rounds, are you going to be prepared to go 10 rounds? I said, of course. That sounds like a person that wasn't training right or only had a, a game A, you know, as far as a game plan, one game plan. You supposed to have a, a plan B, a plan C as well if necessary, you know. If you don't. Um, sorry, go on. I would say if you don't, if you don't, think that plan A is going to work, then you can convert to plan B. But if you only just have a plan A going into the fight, no other plan, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And what is the aim after this fight, Gary? Obviously, I'm, I'm not telling you to look too far in the future. It would be silly for me to, 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 to put you in that position. But the belts at the minute at 140 are all over the place. Tiafimo beat Josh Taylor for the WBO. Rolando Romero seemingly got a gift against Ishmael Barroso for the WBA. Progray's champ again. And um, Subriel Matias is, is the big punch in IBF champ. I'm guessing you're excited by all of these possible matchups for yourself. I am. I'm licking my lips like, mm-mm, good. <laughs> bye, 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 I'm loving it. Like McDonald's, <laughs> I'm telling you. 
Um, but if I had to pick, it would be a Regis Prograde. Ooh, why? Why? Because, that, like I said, styles make fights. Um, that would be a war. It will be. It will be an interesting one. Interested, an interesting um, lineup on top of it being action-packed, like, for the fans, like, fan-friendly type of match, you know? Um, I want to be somewhat of a, a person that's bringing a big magnitude of attention to this profession. Yeah, no, I I really like that fight. I think it'd be it'd be excellent. Obviously, two Southpaw bangers. Um, but talking of Regis Progre, there is a lot of talk at the moment about Devin Haney possibly moving up. If if he were to move up, how do you see that fight going, Haney Progre? I think Devin will do what he do best. He would try to outsmart, outbox. You know, um, he got good ample hand speed. He comes in, in his physical best. He's in shape. Like I said, he don't come in there with just uh, a plan A. He got a plan B and possibly plan C. Well, I would just say A and B, you know. Plan C, and that relies on his corner. Not everybody can pick up on a fly on their own. You know, a lot of times they're corner men saying, hey, all right, look, he's doing this. Make sure you start doing this versus the fighter seeing that that flaw within his opponent on his own, like right away. And then you come back to the corner, and your corner seeing the same thing. You know, um, but I think he's going to be in shape to go all 12 rounds. That's his plan B, being in shape. You got to be in shape. You're not in shape, then your, your ship is bound to sink if you don't knock this guy out or just have some natural ability, boxing ability. Because now you're just left with a plan A. And that plan A was what you saw from footage. That's the only thing that's going to get you over to a, a victory. And that's based off of the footage you've seen. But anybody can change how they fighting the day of. Yeah. So, so who would you favor in that one? I would favor Devin, to be honest, because yeah, yeah, youth versus well, they're both young. They're both young, still. But you got to realize that a certain level is thirty-four, by the way. Right, right. I mean, that's still young to me. That's still young. That's like you you haven't even peaked into your prime. You you just now starting to hit that time frame where though you're gonna peak. Your prime, throughout your prime. You know, life don't start until 30. That's when you start living how you want to live. Still young vigor within you. You get to travel. If you're into women, you can explore, you know, many, right, many different type of women and stuff like that. That's the, that's the time frame when you just hit 30. But for the most part, everything else from 20 on up to that is an investment. So you just, so you can't do just that. You know, start living on your own. Start going places on your own. Start making your own decisions versus collective decisions. You know, there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with continuing that, but thirty isn't really old. I believe Devin Haney is younger, but both of them are young in my eyes. 
And when you deal okay. with skills, Regis Prograde, he has skills, but he got a lot of flaws that will put him behind the gun. Devin Haney, he has skills, but it's some things that he still have to develop that will put him behind the gun. You know, if you look at the Lomachenko fight, Lomachenko, he has skills, but he came up in weight being a smaller guy. And the only thing that kind of like held the fight over or made the fight go the distance was Lomachenko's skill. Lomachenko was touching him with many shots that he shouldn't have got touched with. Devin Haney shouldn't have got touched with, but because Lomachenko knew that this guy don't like going backwards. This guy don't like taking a lot of shots. Like when it's a lot of shots being thrown at him, this guy had problems with that. Regis Prograde, he don't mind a person throwing a lot of shots at him because he's used to mano a mano, brawling with a person. You know? I give some shots, you get I take some shots. I give some shots, I take some shots. You know, but a lot of times he do it with a lack of defense, of discipline, because he got his head straight in the air and that's not good, uh Marcus Queensbury of the sport is to hit and not get hit, right? Right, right. You know, so that that puts him behind the gun. But they both kind of, like, favor each other as far as styles. It would be a good matchup as far as style. But Devin Haney, like I said, young, some things you can learn in one night. If we see the fight, um, you know, I think it's going to play out quite well. It'll be interesting. I, I personally, now that you've mentioned Progre yourself, I, I prefer that fight stylistically. But, yeah, if we see the Haney Progre fight, I'll, I'll certainly be tuned in. I wanted to get your reaction, actually. I'm intrigued now because I know you're a deep guy. I want to get your reaction to Crawford Spence. What a performance from Crawford, man. Yes, yes, yes. I told people that it was a 50-50 shot. But if I had to put my money down on it, I'd go with Spence. Um, I think he broke himself in the gym a little just by straining his, his weight, you know. Um, but I didn't want to really use that as an excuse. Crawford did what he had to do. The better man won. Um, Styles make fights. Earl Spence, he brings punch of power, determination, poisonous and et cetera, and, and he's not going to deviate. But I say if it if it don't end by round eight, Terrence Crawford going to take this fight from him. Why? Because Terrence Crawford, he's determined. He come in shape, and he got freakishly natural natural ability, natural boxing ability. You know, he can go southpaw and unconventional style, you know, at pedestrian. So he can, he can do both sides. And he used that to his benefit. He saved Southpaw the whole fight, put his power hand. So you see the first flash knockdown came from a right jab, not a right hook or, or a right cross. It was a stiff jab. And it was a flash knockdown, violent to him. But it got his attention as well. It was perfectly timed. And he knew that Earl was going to be applying pressure, trying to be more of a pressure fighter. Because a lot of people saw Earl as the stronger fighter. A lot of people saw Terrence Crawford as the weaker fighter. And he used all of that to his his fight strategy. Like, okay, he think I'm small. Watch him. I'm going to put him on his back because I'm going to make him run into something. You know, that type of mentality, that type of game plan. 
And I said, I can see that working if you take them in deep waters. If the fight don't go past eight, eight, eight rounds by Earl Spence, knocking him out, Terrence Crawford going to take the fight from him because he got boxing skill. And Earl always had problems with boxers. The only boxer that he ever really successfully opposed his will on, Earl Spence, was Kell Brook. You know, and I don't think Kell Brook and Terrence Crawford has the same package. I think Crawford has a better package than Kell Brook. It was a great, great fight, of course, and um, really, really happy to have got your reaction to it. Um, yeah, it was a, just a phenomenal fight. But anyway, before I let you go, my man, I'm just going to throw it over to you. If you've got any closing words just to the listeners, for everyone that will listen to this from all over the world, if you if you want to sign out with a little message before we let you go, say whatever you like, my man. Ah, oh, man, I want everybody to know, the youth and the elders, the sky's the limit when it comes to anything that you set your mind on doing. Determination can make you dangerous, you know? And with that, that it, it will roll you into a position of being relentless. Relentless and dangerous, they go together like peanut butter and jelly, milk and cereal. <laughs> you know, so, uh, that's the formula for greatness. No matter what you're doing, you keep your head up. Anything that knock you out of your, your lane, don't worry, keep your head up, chin up, chest out, accept it, but understand what you don't went through to get in that position and still be tunnel vision on your goal. There we go. There we go. I love it that you've signed out with a nice deep message, my man. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, Gary. It's been a real pleasure once again. Thank you for your time. Best of luck for Saturday. I'll be tuning in. I'll be staying up late all night to watch it, and we'll speak sometime Thank afterwards. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you, my man. Speak soon. God bless. Speak Likewise. soon. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. Matchroom have announced a fight to, to take place on October 21st, live on the zone, of course, at the MS Bank Arena in Liverpool. We're going to see Jack Catterall, friend of the show, defending his WBA Intercontinental title against former multiweight world champion Jorge Linares. Not really mad at that fight for Catterall. I think, obviously, it's a good name. I'm sure he's going to win the fight. But it could be interesting because I think Catterall's kind of lack of power. I hope I'm not, um, you know, I hope I'm, I hope I'm, you know, speaking from a fair place saying that. I don't think anyone thinks he's a massive banger. But, yeah, that lack of power could make it quite interesting. I don't think it's going to be enough power to deter Linares, you wouldn't have thought. So, could be interesting. But, of course, you'd have to massively favour Catterall, of course. I'm not, I'm not crazy. Um, I don't want to get it too too deep into it now because it is kind of old news and there's so much more to discuss on the actual fight. But Anthony Joshua versus Dillian White obviously is off. Dillian White, um, yeah, has has fouled a drugs test for the third time in his career. Uh, Dillian White's a friend of the show. Dillian White is somebody that I like, somebody that you like as well, Eddie, but third time now, and um, I I just can't understand this. This is just, it's, it's, it's just, it's incredible, actually. It could be a world record for the amount of times that he's failed a drugs test, um, particularly in boxing. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. Um, yeah, ridiculous, actually, from him. He's, he's obviously put whatever it is in his system to try to gain an unfair advantage, and in doing Doing that, um, it was kind of like a last chance saloon. What's the point? It's not like there's world titles on the line. Um, I don't think he, he's going to have much of a future. He would have had much of a future anyway after this fight. 
why not just show up for a last chance little saloon, you know, last chance saloon, last little payday before you sail off into the sunset. Maybe take a few extra millions with you, but no, it looks like he'll be taking nothing with him, just a bad reputation. Um, and and then, yeah, what else do we have? Um, Arta Baturbiev, it's been rescheduled. I'm really happy about this because it's been a very quick rescheduling, but Arta Baturbiev defends his light heavyweight crown against Callum Smith, January the 13th in Quebec City. It's going to be live on ESPN. Like I say, Arta Baturbiev had to pull out the fight. I think that was announced just last week or something, and already within like seven days, they've got a new date for it. Um, so, so, so I'm happy about that. I'm happy that they're moving on quickly with that. The only shame is that it's it's taking place next year. It's taking place January. It just goes to show, I guess, how um how like how 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 quick this year's going. Like they're already scheduling fights for next year. What the hell? But yeah, it's it's just over five months uh, from today that fight. And that I mean that is kind of far in the future. I guess I'm not gonna. Yeah, I think that is that is kind of far in the future. Um. What else do we have? Boxer have announced that Adam Azim will be on the Smith Eubank 2 pay-per-view card. He's going to be on that undercard there. He gets in with a Ukrainian fighter called Aram Fanyan, who's 22-1. and He's not a banger. He's only got four KOs. But yeah, Fanyan uh, stepping in there against Adam Azim could be a good fight. Um... Raymond Muratala, he was supposed to be boxing this weekend on the Navarrete Valdez undercard, but he has actually been forced to withdraw due to an injury, so all the best there to Raymond Muratala. He was in a decent fight as well, so it's a shame there. Um, all the best to him in his recovery, hopefully it is quick, I'm not sure what the injury is. But yeah, that's it though for the news, moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here tomorrow at the Overtime Elite. Arena in Atlanta, Georgia, USA. It's going to be on DAZN, actually. Friend of the show, one of the most avoided super featherweights in the world, Albert Bell, 23-0, gets in with Presco Carcosia, who is 11-2 with a draw. Um, Giovanni Marquez as well on that card. That is the son of Raul Marquez, former world champion, friend of the show, now commentator. Uh, moving to this one that goes down, of course, on... Um, on Saturday at the O2 Arena, Greenwich, London, United Kingdom. Let's start with the undercard. Um, Brandon Scott, 5-0 in a six-rounder at featherweight against Louis Norman, 14-13 and with a draw. I tell you what, if Louis Norman's on it, I would not be surprised to see an upset there, just putting it out there. We've got George Lidard, 3-0. I think he's got two KOs. He's in a six-rounder at middleweight against Bass Oosterweigel, who is 5-1. Last-minute opponent change here. I think he's only had about five days' notice, Oosterweigel, so I'm not expecting much from him. Uh, Maisie Rose Courtney, 3-0. No knockouts. She gets in with Gemma Rueg, who's 7-7. Seven seven. It's over six two-minute rounds. I tell you what, once again, I think Gemma Rueg could spring an upset there. I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that's going to happen, but I think the fight definitely goes the distance, that's for sure. But Gemma Rueg, I think, is a live underdog, just like Louis Norman against Brandon Scott. But Gemma Rueg's about a 10-to-1 underdog, so I think that's worth a little punt there. Um, we're going to see Campbell Hatton 12-0. 
Getting in with Tom Ansel, who's 10-4. and four. It's over eight rounds at super lightweight. If I'm not mistaken, I think Ansel's got the advantage in height, but he was banged out, I'm pretty sure, on his last outing against someone who... I can't remember who it was now, but I don't think the guy could really punch much. So I'm expecting Campbell Hatton to win that fight. I don't know, again, it's, it's always hard with Campbell Hatton. If you like, I never know if he's going to get a stoppage or win on points. I'm always kind of like unsure. You know, it's not like he fights guys who gets banged out every single time. It's not like he fights guys who get um, who go the distance all the time. He, he seems to kind of fight a mixture of people that have been stopped a lot, you know, stopped just as many times as they've been beaten on points. And in in in, in situations like that, I'm never quite sure what he's going to do. Johnny Fisher nine and zero gets in with Harry Armstrong, who's five and one with a draw. It's for the vacant Southern Area heavyweight title. It's scheduled for ten rounds. A lot of people would say it's probably not going to go 10 rounds. We know what Johnny Fisher likes to do. He likes to get in there and bang you out from the first round. Um, the only thing is, Harry Armstrong, quite a durable guy, lost his last fight, went eight rounds with Jamie, or I think they called him Jamie TK or something like that. For, you know, But his name's Jamie Shakiva. And... Um, Anyway, went eight rounds with him, and he he's quite a decent puncher. So I wouldn't be surprised here to see some rounds. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if Johnny Fisher won on points. But I think we're going to see a few rounds. I'd be quite surprised if Johnny Fisher walks through this guy here. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I think it's a good fight, but don't overlook Harry Armstrong. I think he's a tough guy. Um, also on the card, Derek Chisora, 33-13, and 13, gets in with Gerald Washington, former foe of... Eddie here. Um, we had Gerald on last week's show. He's 20-5 and five with a draw. It's over 10 rounds, obviously, and I do not expect this to go 10 rounds. Gerald, however, is in really good shape. I'm sure you've probably seen the clips, Eddie. Gerald now training under Malik Scott. The only problem is he is getting up there in age, Gerald. And like I said to him on last week's show, you know, on paper, he's in the worst form of his career. He's been knocked out in five of his last seven fights. He's coming off two back-to-back -back knockouts against Charles Martin and Ali Aaron Demarizan. He's been out the ring for a year and a half. Like I say, I think he's he's had a lot of time to kind of get in good shape. He looks in great shape. And um, he did actually say he sparred a few rounds with Derek Chisora in preparation for Chisora Fury Free. So, um, yeah, that, that always, I always kind of get a little bit skeptical when a guy is fighting someone he sparred, especially in the recent past, um, that, that, the, yeah, the recent past that, that always kind of makes me think they probably got the better of that spar and took confidence from it. They're not going to fight someone who they've, you know, took a beating off in sparring. So yeah, Derek Chisora, Gerald Washington in 2023, Eddie, what do you think? Good question. <laughs> I think they're both in similar places. Um, I think they're both trying to, you know, get themselves back in position for possibly another shot or a payday, you know, whatever, you know, whatever way you decide to look at it. Um, you know, Gerald had a shot at the title once with uh, Wilder, but I think, um, you know, he's still in certain things. And I know it's, it's going to be crazy to say this, being that I lost to him. It's my fault, but there's still a, uh, something missing there with the way he fights. And, you know, now with Malik Scott, um, well-schooled guy, you could tell through the way he fought, even though a lot of people didn't like how he fought. Um, he knows a lot about the sport. He does understand it. He's, he's, you know, he's a student of it, too. So, you know, he can teach Gerald to use his size a little better, hopefully. Um 
And I know a lot of people are going to say, why? <laughs> what's up with Deontay? Why hasn't he improved greatly under the tutelage of uh, Malik Scott? Well, Deontay Wilder's a special case. Deontay Wilder, um, you know, his, his big right hand is something that uh, is, I guess, a legend right now. <laughs> Most people uh, agree that no, or in the know in boxing who know boxing, is like, don't try to fix what's uh, not broke, even though he lost a few to Tyson still. And that he you can't really do too much of what he's already got. You know what I mean? You try to make too many adjustments, you're going to get the negative end of it. So um, I think Willie Scott's smart enough within the boxing, um, within boxing to figure out a way to help Gerald be effective. But he's fighting, uh, you know, he's fighting a guy who's in the past would have been a, a nightmare for him. And, uh, um, but I'm not so sure right now. You know, Derek Chisora has, you know, he's he's on he's on a down end. Even though he's even though he's given you know tough performances and he's given good effort in 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 the recent past, it still is like at this point. I think this fight is you know a good matchup. Looking at the styles and looking at uh, you know what each guy has at this point, I think they're pretty much on par with with each other. Although Gerald's more susceptible to getting knocked out right now, as you could see in his last seven fights, but. Um, but even then, you know, like I said, he's he, he, like we were talking. He, I mean, you're saying Joe, he's, he looks in fine shape. I've seen him. Yeah, he does look in good shape. You know, everything he looks clear-eyed. Everything looks like he's in a he's in a good place. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I I really don't know what's gonna happen here. I mean, I, I don't even know who to favor. You know what I mean? He, all things equal, I would say Chisora. If they're both in the same place in career, I would say Chisora is just because I've. You know, we we know what he's capable of. We know how he's going to come out. He's going to give maximum effort, even if he doesn't have maximum effort. So, um, and I don't know how much of an effect Malik is going to have, even though I think it may be a, a positive influence for Gerald. I just don't know if it'll be enough. So, yeah, kind of interested in <laughs> what happens in this fight. But uh, I guess if I'm going to if I'm forced to pick, I would say uh, Derek Chisora. Yeah, I think you have to go with Derek Chisora, um, which which pains me to say that because I do want Gerald Washington to win this fight. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, you know Gerald Washington, forty-one years of age now. Derek Chisora, thirty-nine. You know Derek has lost three of his last four as well, um, and like I say, Gerald Washington's lost five of his last seven, and he's been knocked out in every single one. When I had Gerald on last week's show, I pretty much said to him, "Listen." If you can establish your jab, you've got a long, heavy jab, you're, you know, you're the bigger guy. If you can establish that jab, and if you can keep moving your feet, because that's the one thing that Derek Chisora cannot deal with. Someone that's not going to stand in front of him, uh, put themselves on the rope, start covering up, letting him put the pressure on. He loves that. But what you can't do is, yeah, you basically can't do that. If you, uh, I think I've made a bit of a pig's ear of that, but what I'm trying to say is if you can establish that long jab, use your size, use your strength. If he gets on the inside, you know, grab hold of him. If you can keep that distance and if you can move, and I will say, I've looked at these Instagram videos and Malik Scott has got Gerald Washington moving around the ring like a flipping super featherweight. Um, I like to see that, but I've only seen it in 30-second YouTube video clips. If he can do it for 10 rounds, he can win this fight easy without losing a round, I think. But that's the question. Can he do it for 10 rounds? I'm not entirely sure. And um, like I say, 
his old style, I think, is tailor-made for Derek Chisora, you know? Uh, Derek Chisora be winging in those hooks. I've just got this... I can just see Gerald Washington on the ropes, like I've seen him in so many fights. On the ropes, you know, taking shots to the head, um, soaking up a load of punches, and I can see Chisora just, just doing what he does, having someone on the ropes and just throwing hook, 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 and the referee jumps in for a TKO. So I don't want to see that, and that can't happen. But, um, yeah, that can't happen. He can't revert to that, because that's what he would have done in the past. And like I say, in the past, he'd have been tailor-made. He'd have been someone that Chisora would be able to, you know, swing those big hooks over the, over the top, Joe Frazier style, to the taller guy. And, um, and yeah, he, he, would, he, would have, he would have stopped Gerald Washington, I'm sure of that. But hopefully Malik can do something with Gerald, and I'd like to see him win. Uh, moving up the card once again, a battle of the two undefeated heavyweights, Philip Hergovic, 15 and 15-0. Some would argue that he shouldn't be undefeated because Zili Zhang deserved to beat him on points that time. But it's over 12 rounds. It's a final eliminator here. And he gets in with Australia's Dempsey McKean, who's actually based in Essex. Um, he's 22-0 and with 14 KOs. And Hergovic, like I say, 15-0 and with 12 KOs. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a decent fight. I quite like this one. I like a bunch of heavyweights fighting on undercards of heavyweight main events all the time because it usually means we're going to see a few knockouts. I think definitely uh, G uh, Gerald Washington, Derek Chisora, I don't think that's going to go 10. Will this one go 10? Um, you'd have probably thought not. But um, again, I don't think we're going to see an early finish. I think it'll go some rounds, to be totally honest with you. And I think the longer it goes, the more chance Dempsey McKean has got. I haven't seen too much of him, but I know Hergovic doesn't have the best of gas tanks, and I think he's overrated. Um, so yeah, I I think Dempsey McKean is a live underdog here, I'm going to say. But yeah, wasting no more time on the undercard, let's move to the main event. Anthony Joshua, 25-3, gets in with Robert Hellenius, 32-4. He's done amazing to be in both the review and the preview part of this podcast. It's over 12 rounds, obviously, no belt on the line, of course. But Robert Hellenius just boxed last week, got a knockout in three rounds, should be in fairly decent shape. Came into that fight at £249 at the weigh-in. Um, which is slightly less than he weighed for the Deontay Wilder fight, in which he got banged out in a round. That was his last big fight, of course. But literally, the fight before Deontay Wilder, um, that was when he he rematched Kalnaki. And the fight before that was the first fight with Kalnaki. So he looked really good in both of those fights. Showed a lot of, you know, ruggedness, toughness. He's a tough guy. But obviously, he's 39 years of age. Um, I think he's about 6'7", if I'm not mistaken, so I think he's got the edge in height over Joshua. But the thing that strikes me the most here, Eddie, and I think you'll agree, is that Robert Hellenius has the complete polar opposite style to Dillian White. And obviously in the past, Anthony Joshua, when, when he was supposed to fight... Um, Jarrell Miller and then ended up getting in with Andy Ruiz it was a massive stylistic change at late notice and he got knocked out um, Robert Hellenius is capable I'm not entirely sure what he's got left at this point in his career again we haven't really seen him in a proper fight since being banged out in a round against Wilder 
Um, it's hard to know how much damage you take when you're knocked out in one round like that with one shot. We don't know if it was just a case of knocking him out and he's totally fine afterwards, or did it do some kind of deeper damage that we haven't yet seen, because no one watched this fight last week against this 41-year-old guy, but he gets in with, with Anthony Joshua, who I think is probably in a place right now where he's lacking a bit of confidence. Um... But yeah, it's just a massive style change for me. It, it is the polar opposite style to Dillian White. Would you agree and how do you see it going? Let's not take too long on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a complete change in style. Uh, one guy, I mean, I, you know, Dillian, he, he tries to box at times, but, and yeah, he, yeah, to a degree, stiff-legged and, you know, kind of upright, but he's not six foot seven. You know, he's a big guy, but he's not six foot seven. He's a big puncher, but he but he goes about it differently. You know what I mean? And he would have to hunt down Anthony Joshua as a, as opposed to Alanius, who might want to keep range and you know somewhat box from the outside. Even though I think Anthony Joshua is obviously more athletic and more capable in that area. But um, so yeah, there was no question that the style matchup is way different. So and 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 it's it's late notice, so it's kind of you know like wow, you know. <laughs> He's got to make a complete revamp of what his camp, his whole camp had been about previously. So it's now, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you would think getting Hellenius versus getting Dillian White would be an easier fight, but it all depends on how you show up on the night. I wasn't trying to rhyme by the way, but um, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, and then on top of this, you got to think, Wilder got him out in, in a round, right? And, you know, people want to compare Anthony Joshua, and at one point they were trying to make a fight with, you know, they were, that was a huge fight, one of the hugest fights in boxing, if that's the word. Uh, one of the biggest fights in boxing that, you know, could, could be made was Anthony Joshua at the time and, and uh, at Deontay Wilder. And Wilder got him out in a round, so a lot of people are now going to say, hey, you know, Wilder got him out in a round, you better get him out of there and at least get him out of there. And they'll compare, you know what I mean? They'll want to compare. So there is a good deal of pressure. Like you said, he's not in the most, you know, most confident position in the, in the past. So then in the, you know, as in the past, so he's going to, uh, it's going to be important for him to make a, uh, splash here and, and, and look really, really good. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's doing it against a guy that can be difficult. You know what I mean? Wilder did land a, a, a freak right hand that maybe if the fight would have went rounds, right, Wilder would have struggled a bit. But um, you know, we'll find, we'll we'll see what happens with uh, Joshua and, and Hellenius and whether or not he's susceptible to getting caught cold. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen here. Uh, you know, obviously Joshua was a different style matchup for for Hellenius than Wilder was. Although Hellenius did have a fight last week, so. He's warmed up, <laughs> so, so uh, at the end of the day, we'll we'll see we'll see what, what how it plays out. But obviously, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna take AJ in this one. As uh, you know, it's it's one of those situations where I think he's a little bit too athletic um, and has just too much uh, skill wise. Even though I think he can be a little better in in some areas uh, skill wise, but I just think he has a little too much for Elenius. Elenius is a little older. A little, a little stiff, a little robotic, a little slow, you know, but uh, we'll see. Didn't stop him when he fought Kalnaki, but 
I still, I just think, I think this is a whole different animal here. And uh, I think, uh, I think Joshua will probably end up stopping him maybe mid rounds. Yeah, I think, I think you're probably right around about mid rounds. There's, there's a few things I just want to, I just want to throw out here. Firstly, they're fighting a guy who is, uh, you know, not just coming off a long layoff, been sitting on his couch. This is a guy who fought just last week, and obviously, this is a guy who um, didn't go many rounds last week. I don't think took much much damage, right? He beat this guy in three rounds, so that was like a little tiny little sparring session, if you like, in preparation for this. Robert Hellanius apparently had a holiday lined up. He was going to go on holiday this week and celebrate his win, but he's had to cancel that. So I'm sure he's going to be a bit annoyed about that. Um, Anthony. Joshua's last run of opponents, right? Jermaine Franklin, okay? His last fight, which was his first fight under uh, Derek James. Obviously, got in there with, with Franklin. Not really that impressive. A lot of people were quite disappointed in his performance. But the reason I bring him up is because Jermaine Franklin is 6'3", which is considered a small heavyweight. Prior to Jermaine Franklin, he boxed Alexander Usyk. Obviously, small heavyweight. Alexander Usyk, again, small heavyweight. Kubrat Pulev, obviously not considered a small heavyweight, but took him nine rounds to dispatch of Pulev, who I think at the time was way, way old. Um, before that, he fights Andy Ruiz twice, back-to-back. -back. Once again, a small heavyweight. Then he fights Alexander Povetkin, small heavyweight. Then he fights Joseph Parker. I wouldn't, you know, he's, he's not a small heavyweight, Joseph Parker, about 6'4". Then he fights Carlos Takam, small heavyweight. So what I'm basically saying is the, the, the biggest of heavyweights that he's boxed in recent times has been Joe Parker and Kubrat Pulev. Um, he has mainly been fighting very small guys. Actually, Robert Hellanius is the tallest opponent Joshua has fought since Dominic Brazil back in uh, June 2016. I think that's something that we should kind of remember. Um, obviously, Anthony Joshua, like I say, was getting ready for Dillian White as well, who, again, I, I guess I guess is probably probably considered a bit of a small heavyweight. Certainly not as big as, as, as Hellenius, let's just say. Um, and also, a statistic that I've been throwing out every Joshua fight now. Joshua has not knocked anyone out in the first half of a fight since Eric Molina in December 2016. Okay? So that's over six and a half years. I tell you what, I'll be quite stunned if he gets him out within the first six. I think... I would not be surprised at all with a points win, by the way, at all. I might even go small on a little points win just because the odds are going to probably be mental. But certainly, I think the fight goes into the second half because, like I say, every fight has gone into the second half since Eric Molina. Um, and I think he's going to be cautious like he, like he sort of has been recently. Very cautious. I think he's going to be cautious against Hellenius. But yeah, Hellenius, you know... Obviously, very upright, doesn't have any head movement at all, um, and 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 yeah, you know the speed is with Joshua, the powers with Joshua, the athleticism is with Joshua, um, the strength is with Joshua. 
everything really is with Joshua. He should win. I don't think he's going to lose this fight. I'd be quite surprised if he... I mean, he could always walk on to something or take a few good jabs in the face, which I'm sure Hellenius can do. He's got quite a decent stiff jab. But he should win this fight. I just don't think he's going to walk through Hellenius, and I don't think he's walked through anyone for quite a while. Um, moving now to this one, it goes down at the Desert Diamond Arena in Glendale, Arizona, USA. It's live on ESPN Plus, and then I think it goes into ESPN for the main event or whatever, the actual main channel. Uh, it's also going to be live on Sky Sports here in the UK. On the undercard, we've got Emiliano Vargas, who's 5-0. and He gets in with Jorge Alvarado, who's 3-5 and with a draw. That's over four rounds there. We've also got one of my favorite heavyweight prospects, Richard Torres Jr., 5-0, and 5 KOs. He gets in with Willie Jake Jr., who is 11-3 with two draws. Um... Like I say, that one is over six rounds. I really enjoy watching Richard Torres Jr. He got one of the worst knockouts, I think, of last year. It might have been the Box Hard Podcast official 2022 knockout of the year. I think it was. It was against, I think it was Marco Antonio Canedo now. But yeah, um, I don't expect this one to go any different. I think Willie Jake Jr. will get knocked out again. He's been knocked out in all three of his losses. Jermaine Franklin, Frank Sanchez, Stefan Shaw, all good fighters. They've got him out within five rounds, all of them, though. And I think Richard Torres Jr. isn't as accomplished as those three guys, but I think his power is very real, and I think he will end up stopping him quite quite early um and yeah the main event i think it's going to be an absolute war it's an all mexican war we're going to see emmanuel navarrete 37 and 1 it is for the wbo world super featherweight title he gets in with oscar valdez who's 31 and 1 um it's just a fantastic fight honestly how can it not be a fantastic fight this one um, there's a lot to read into here, really, because Oscar Valdez, you know, he was at one point in his career banging everyone out, right? Banging everyone out. But in his last three fights, he's gone the distance in all of them, okay? And again, prior to those three fights, he'd also gone very late in fights. 10 rounds, 10 rounds, 7 rounds, 12 rounds, 7 rounds, 12 rounds, 12 rounds. 12 rounds. So, again, like Joshua, he's a guy that doesn't really get people out early. The last time he knocked someone out in the first half of a fight was also back in 2016, just like Anthony Joshua. Is there a conspiracy theory cooking up here? Maybe so. No, but in all seriousness, um, I think as the fight wears on, Navarrete should warm into it. And, you know, I would say we'll have a lot of success late on. So, I don't think Valdez will get the stoppage here. Um Navarrete, like I say, is such a such a warrior, um, and I and I just think I, I'm not. Do you know what? I want Valdez to win because he's a friend of the show, and that's how it works. But I'm not entirely confident in him. You know, I'm really, really not. Um, I think the weight probably suits Valdez more, but again. We've seen Valdez, you know, take a, a real hiding from Shakur Stevenson just two fights ago. Whereas Emmanuel Navarrete is on this insane run. You know, he's he's won, I think it's he's on like a 20 or 30 fight win streak or, or something like that. You know, it's, it's just incredible. And he's been banging, obviously, most people out. Um, and he's faced a hell of a lot of styles. He's faced a lot of punches in that time and stuff like that. The only thing that kind of goes against Navarrete is the fact that in his last fight, Liam Wilson had him down hard. That's the only thing I'd say that kind of makes me think, ooh, what will he be like when he takes a shot from Valdez? But like I say, at this point in Valdez's career, at super featherweight, he does not seem like 
the puncher he once was for whatever reason. So I'll leave that there. But it's going to be a brilliant fight while it lasts. And I, I'm just not sure. A lot of people saying Navarrete because he is actually the underdog Navarrete. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I think it's a great, great fight. Uh, moving now to the MGM National Harbour in Oxon Hill, Maryland. This is the final card to mention. Let's start with the undercard. A lot of guys on this on this card, actually. It's a bit star-studded, actually. Um, friend of the show, Jesse Hart, 28-3. and three. Good to see him back in action. He's back in a 10-rounder against Elio Trosh, who is 15-10 with two draws. We've also got... Jose Benavidez Jr., 27-2 with a draw. He gets in with Sladan Janjanin, who's very much an opponent. Seen him a couple times before, 36-15. and 15. It's over 10 rounds there at middleweight. Uh, we're also going to see Marcus Brown, 24-2, get in there with Adrian Taylor, who's 13-1 and one with a draw. That's over 10 rounds there. And by the way, it's actually up at cruiserweight. So Marcus Brown moved there from light heavyweight up to cruiserweight and I want to say that Marcus Brown I don't think I've seen him since the Baturbiev fight yeah hasn't boxed since the Baturbiev fight almost two years ago that is interesting hopefully he shows out and does well um yeah we spoke to him a few moments ago Gary Antoine Russell he's 16 and 0 with 16 KOs it's a 10 rounder against Kent Cruz who's 16 and 0 with three draws that one at super lightweight all the best to Gary Antoine Russell always good to hear from him uh, also we're going to see Travon Marshall he's 8 and 0 um, I'm going to be completely honest I've never ever seen this guy fight 22 years of age 6 foot tall 7 KOs in his 8 wins don't know anything about the guy, but he gets in with Gabriel Maestra, who um, had a belt at one time. I'm not entirely sure what's happened to that. He had some version of a WBA title, um, and then, yeah, he got the robbery win against Michael Fox, came back, drew with Taras Shellestuk, um, and then, and then yeah, I don't know what happened to the belt. Last time out, was able to stop Dav uh, Devin Alexander, who is, is a tough, durable guy, but, you know, he's well up there in age now. And he becomes the underdog against Travon Marshall, who I haven't seen anything of. But yeah, Maestra's a decent fighter, but I think he's like a 4-1 to one underdog, so that's a bit concerning. And then the main event, one of the guys that I always like to, I guess, what's the word? Um, wave a flag for, maybe. Emmanuel Rodriguez, 21-2. and two. I think one of the most underappreciated fighters in recent times. It's for the vacant IBF World Bantamweight title. He gets in with Melvin Lopez, who's 29-1. and one. Um, Emmanuel Rodriguez is a massive, massive favourite here, um, which he's too much of a favourite to even really want to bet on, actually. But, yeah, I think he's a great fighter. I think his only real loss came to Naoya Inoue. He was flattened in two rounds, and that was very scary. But, yeah, his other loss was a split decision loss to Raymark Gabayo. Absolutely no chance in the world did he actually lose that fight. It was a terrible robbery. One of the worst robberies of all time, because, actually, he, he pretty much won every single round over 12. Um, but, yeah... He beat Gary Antonio Russell last time out as well, so definitely by no means is he finished. He's 31 years of age. He's still a fantastic fighter. Emmanuel Rodriguez of Puerto Rico. I think he's a great fighter and for whatever reason gets overlooked and underappreciated. So all the best to him there against Melvin Lopez. Um who's 29-1, and one, like I say, 19 KOs. He got banged out in his sole loss to Jose Velasquez back in 2019. But I think Emmanuel Rodriguez will be able to win this one. Um, 
yeah, I don't know if he'll get the stoppage because he doesn't always like to go and get it. But all the best to Emmanuel Rodriguez. But anyway, that brings the preview part to a close. In part one, we did the review part. Then we welcomed our special guest. In part two, we did the news part. I've just wrapped up the preview part there. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 408 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout-out to this week's special guest, the undefeated, super lightweight contender, the, the knockout artist himself, Mr. Gary Antoine Russell. All the best to him this weekend. He boxes on Saturday against another undefeated fighter. All the best to him, like I say. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for for tuning in that's about everything from myself though enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again same time next week